the British, the British dream. Below our expectations. We're about to be a all country. We're about to be a country. Wonderful to be here. The British dream podcast. Join us, powerful people, as we launch up despicable acts like these and the sickening and barbaric politics. What I hate about this Get up is that it's so violent. When the next phase of this disaster comes, they will come for you. Hello and welcome to The British Dream. I'm Simon Childs, Home Affairs Editor of Vice UK. There's a spike in violent crime, 51 people killed this year. Last week, six teenagers, including a 13-year-old boy, were wounded by knives in the space of just 90 minutes in the capital. This week, I'm chatting with Stafford Scott, a race advocacy officer at the Monitoring Group, an anti-racist charity. In November and December, record numbers of arrests met. Try to calm down. Third of which through stop and search, 350 weapons seized. And behave like an adult. We're talking about the epidemic of violent crime in London, 2011 summer riots, stop and search and state racism. In recent weeks, the level of violent crime has pricked the conscience of the nation as families have buried their teenage children. The Met Police has increased the use of controversial stop and search powers to curb a spate of stabbings while denying that there is a crisis. We We will be doing more stopping and searching of people in an effort to suppress violence and, of course, to take weapons off the street. There's been a whirlwind debate about why it's happening. This week, Home Secretary Amber Rudd has introduced a £40 million serious violence strategy vowing to do whatever it takes to stop violent crime. But will it work? And are we understanding the causes of violent crime? With me to discuss all this and more is Stafford Scott from The Monitoring Group. To start off with, like, how's your week been? Have you been, like, I imagine, incredibly busy? Incredibly busy, incredibly stressful and emotional week, to be quite honest with you. I almost said ups and downs, but there haven't actually been any ups. It's a, we're a community in crisis, even though the Metropolitan Police Commissioner declines to see it as a crisis that 48, there's over 50 now, but young people have actually lost their lives on the streets of London in um, this calendar year. And when I asked you to come on this podcast, you said, yeah, and that you wanted to sort of bring it back to 2011 uh, and the summer riots that happened then. Why do, why do we have to go that far back to understand what's happening now? I think it's incredibly important to remind people that in 2011, post the killing of Mark Duggan, post those, what they call the English riots or the summer riots mm-hmm. of, of that August, that the prime minister for the country, when he eventually was forced to return from holiday, and the mayor of London, when he too was eventually forced to return from holiday, that they told the nation that the riots were the works of the gangs Mm -hmm. because they wanted to deny any social or economic drivers that underlay and that were the root causes for young people feeling the way that they did and behaving the way that they did. So they created the bogeymen. The bogeymen were the gangs. They also set in train four reviews across the country to identify why the riots happened. None of those reviews, including the Metropolitan Police Service's own review, which was called Four Days in August, none of those reviews confirmed this um, allegation of gang involvement. Quite the contrary, they 
absolutely denied that any of the riots were gang orchestrators. Mm -hmm. And the final figure is almost 2,000 people who went to prison. They only alleged that 13% of those were gang members. And most of those deny the label that they were given. So they created a war on gang, but the evidence didn't support their allegations. So what they did after that was tried their best to actually create those gangs. Now that might sound incredible to most people, mm. but what they did through the Crime and Policing Act, or Policing and Crime Act 2009 that came into being in 2011, the Home Office redefined the number of people it would take to make a gang. Actually, for the first time, they defined the number of people it takes to make a gang. Mm. And that number would be three. And I'd ask any logical-minded person to stop and think, A, why would the government need to redefine the numbers of a gang to make it as low as three? And anybody who's watched programs like um, The Sopranos, for example, the C's, gangsters, mafia gangsters, knows that gangs are an organised structure. Everybody is working for the same aim. There's generally a head. There's got to be a couple of lieutenants. And you've got to have foot soldiers. So it's impossible to have gangs of three. They mm -hmm. redefined it to be gangs of three to make it easier for them to be able to substantiate the crazy allegations that the Prime Minister and the Mir were making. How does that relate to like what's going on right now? And how does that uh, inform some of the responses we're seeing? Because of the decision that they took to just go after gangs, it means that all of their policies have been directed at gangs. So there's a preoccupation with labelling young black kids as gangsters, excluding them from school, putting into things like the per-pupil referral centres, encouraging them to be gangs, because you put them in those centres. I don't know if you've ever been to one, they're the most scariest places on earth for you to go and witness how young people are allowed to behave in mm. their outrageous behaviours. Anywhere where there's a prue, that's when you're going to find yourself having the worst gangs. They force them together, they target them, they label them as gangs. But they don't just label the individual who may be responsible for some violence, they label all of their peer groups too, and then they come at them. If you were born in an estate, for example, You've got a couple of mates. One of them, you might all know, he's a bit leery, he's a bit wild. You may actually stay away from him. But the way that you're policed, and it's not just by the police, the police have engaged right across the public sector. So it's all sectors, youth workers are involved, housing's involved, um, the councils are fully involved and engaged. Mm. So everybody is telling you that you're a gangster. What it actually does is pushes you towards the other people who may be more inclined to be gangster-like or to use violence. In terms of this like current like spike in violence, are you saying it isn't a gang problem or there's a gang problem that is sort of created and encouraged by state agencies? I say that because Cameron declared a war on gang, people perceive it as gangs. What's happening now, although it's more violent, is no different than what's happened in other generations. In other generations, they described it as working class subculture. Skinheads, mods and rockers, teddy yeah. boys, punks, mm -hmm. working class subculture. So the interventions were different. Do you think this current situation is maybe different and more violent? Skinheads were the most violent 
mm. of these working class subgroups. The skinheads were the ones who went on to create all that hooliganism at football matches. The skinheads were the ones who inspired the National Front. So mm. don't think that people didn't die. Yeah. But the way that the police and the state chose to perceive them was totally different from how they choose to perceive our young people. Do not get me wrong. I'm not apologizing for any youth who has taken a blade and stuck it into another youth's body. Anybody who has done that should face the consequences of those actions. This isn't trying to justify their actions. It's trying to explain why there are so many young people that are pushed out there. In relation to gangs, I don't think that there's many gangs out there. Real gangs of the kind I described earlier, those organized kind of structures. Mm -hmm. I think there are lots of collectives of young people who have all been pushed out and all feel so isolated that they come together. I'll give you some examples of some of the things that happened to them that might make them so angry, and not just angry, but so ready to use mindless violence. But they're using violence that they feel is almost comparable to the violence that the state has used against them. Mm -hmm. When a child is told at a very early age that you're dumb, you're not gonna make it, when racism is visited on them at very early ages, when they're treated like they're not as good as others in the mainstream at a very early age, that's state violence. When they're kicked on the scrap heap, a very early age, because somebody decided they're not going to hit five GCSEs. That's state violence. When they're just kicked out, there is no support, no help, to no apprenticeships, no guidance, no support to go and build alternative careers. That's state violence. When you're put into a prune, that is state violence. So they feel that they've always been violated. When you get a letter, I don't know if you know about the Matrix. The Gangs Matrix. The Gangs Matrix. Yeah. Secret database that the Metropolitan Police has in most boroughs, not just in London, but in Manchester, in Nottingham, in Birmingham, and in Bristol. Mm. They say it's a database of the most violent young people in these localities. Mm. But if you look on the database, out of the almost 4,000 names on there, at least 87% of them are black. Yeah. But if you add BME to it, then about 91% of them are BME. If you look at the list, they'll tell you that there's about 300 white Northern European or... Mm, they differentiate it between, between Northern, Northern Europeans and Southern Europeans. Southern European. But when it comes to us, they just say black. They don't say like West they Africans and Caribbean. They talk about Mediterranean, they talk about Chinese. But when it comes to us, it's all lumped as black. One, one, one grouping, and we are the majority. In a borough like Haringey, where we have a gang called the Tottenham Turkish Boys, a really serious gang. The last time war broke out between them and the Hackney Bumber Clears in a neighboring borough, police were on the streets with machine guns on a routine basis. That hasn't happened with what's happening with our kids. They're not even on the matrix. Right. Why are they not on the matrix? So the matrix is about racial profiling. And then the information on the matrix is shared with everybody. The problem with the matrix is it's supposed to contain the 100 most violent young people. There's a categorization where those people would be in red. If I showed you the Haringey matrix, you'll see that there's only six out of the 100 people on there in that category. The next categorization is amber you'll see that there's only 31 
of those in amber on there. It means that the other 63 that are on there are the green category. Green is in like less violent or... In, I can show you that most of those who are in the green category on the Haringey mages have no conviction for violence whatsoever. Right. So what they do is they use the matrix to identify some difficult and violent people, but then they identify all of their peer group as well and decide that they are a gang. And when you treat people like that, and then withdraw all services from them, and then you bring out something called Operation Shield... There yeah. was a MOPAC-funded program, so that was MOPAC, Mears Office for Policing and Crime, funded program where they called in some of these young people. £200,000 they spent on this. They called in young people and they said, you guys are a gang. If one of you commits a crime, we will use the criminal justice system, fast-track justice, to send you to prison. The others will come for you as well. Whether or not you was involved in the crime, whether you knew about the crime, just because you're associated with this person in a gang, we will send you to prison. If you're on parole, we'll take away your parole. If we can't come up with you with criminal sanctions, we'll come up with you with civil sanctions. If someone sends a, a young person who's not involved a letter like that, they're probably going to look at the person who is involved and say, you know what, it's me and you against the world now, you know, brother. Mm-hmm. Because they've forced us now, they've pushed us this, and that's what they've done. In Haringey, they've gone even further than that. They've written to the boys, the DVLA, not the police, the DVLA have written to some of the boys who happen to be on the Matrix, and they've said to them, the police have told us that you smoke copious amounts of skunk. Run back your license. They're angry. Mm. They're angry, and they have no representation to speak for them at parliamentary level or even at the, the level that I'm just explaining in places like Mopad and with the police because those people don't engage with communities. So what they're doing is taking liberties with our young people and they're angry. They're tarring them all with the same brush and ultimately making them, well, not making them behave, but creating an environment where they're likely to behave in the way that they do. And they behave in the way that they do and use such extreme violence because ultimately they don't see themselves having much of a future. Mm. Ultimately, they haven't been taught. Their, their self-esteem isn't developed. So if they don't respect self, they're not going to respect others. 80 people but got this, stabbed last year and it's gone up to the highest level is, since 2008. And this is why I make the really important it's point It's not about, working, whatever about, it is well, that you're doing. What do you make of some of the sort of explanations offered so far from like politics and the media, like violent drill videos? What do you think of that? I think the videos contribute in that once they do something, they make a video, they put it online and people feel that they have to respond. But I think that the creation of drill and all of these kind of um, genres of music from grime, Wretch Free 2 was a grime artist, he's my nephew. I think that these are young people who are marginalised from society. They create their own little society and these are the things that mean something to them. The way that they can get build their version of self-esteem is through the things that they do. What do you think of the explanation that it's to do with drugs? There may be in some, but right now there's a, 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 a postcode war, an area war going on between Tottenham and Wood Green, two areas in the borough that I come from, 
And that is not fueled by drugs. I don't know if you're saying that they take drugs before they go and commit violence, but it's not over drugs and it's certainly not over turf. I mean, so like I think it was David Lammy was saying it's to do with the dealing of drugs and gangs and organised crime. But if it's but if it's a postcode war, our postcode war is not somewhat to do with what a lot of people understand to be gangs. Well, that's that's the problem is people's understanding of these things. They're mm. collectives. So, for example, in N22, Wood Green, when the kids are getting kicked out of school, they're all in the, in the same pool. They don't necessarily all come from N22. It's about their associations and affiliations. They protect each other. Because as I tried to describe before, some of the actions of the state make them feel that it's them against the world. Mm-hmm. You listen out and you're going to hear soon. Amnesty International is going to re- release a report on this because I gave them a copy of The Matrix. And they're going to be looking at the data breach that are happening. And mm. the Information Commissioner is also looking at this because when we talk about the sharing of information, it's right across the system. So it means right across the system, these kids have been stereotyped and stigmatised as gang members, many of them without ever committing any violent offences whatsoever. The impact of this. Mm. I don't think that anybody can really understand the impact of this. And most of these kids are children. And as I said, this started with Cameron's declaration on the gangs in 2011. Most of these kids would have been in primary school when that happened, and they're being punished for something that they weren't involved in. And further, they're being punished for austerity, because in a time of um, scant finances, it's easier for the state to just chuck them to one side and forget about them and then sweep them up a few years later and put them in prison because the only time they'll have value to the state again is when they end up in prison, especially if they end up in a G4S prison because the Prime Minister's husband owns loads of shares in those prisons. So they'll be living fat off of the sacrifice of our young people. Over the last several months, we have been doing more and more stop and search for the purpose of finding weapons. What do you think of the fact that uh, this sort of very immediate response from a lot of politicians seems to have been to just say we need more stop and search again, and from the police as well? It's a knee-jerk reaction, but I'm not surprised by it at all, because as I said, it's systemic. They are all led by the police now. Mm-hmm. There was a time when some of these politicians understood that it was their job and responsibility to hold the police to account. Now they've created a system because of austerity where they've brought them all together, community safety partnerships, and they allow the police to run the show. The police misinterpret what is happening and tell these people that all of these kids are involved in gangs. Then the police tell the the same partnerships we're unable to find the evidence to arrest them and lock them up, which if they were half-decent coppers, they would, because these kids are kids. They're not masterminds. This is why they call them gangsters, to infer to everybody that they're masterminds, that they're doing things we can't catch them doing. But the truth is they do things out there on the street very, very visibly. Mm. That's why everybody knows about them. Then they say we can't catch them, so we have to put in the inline disruption tactics. Disruption tactics that I say and we're going to test in the courts, are illegal and unlawful. What are disruption tactics? Well, post the decision yesterday to put more police officers on the street, in Tottenham yesterday, I witnessed three stop and searches. Mm -hmm. Now, they should be stopping and searching young people who might be carrying weapons. The three stop and searches I saw were older black guys for possession. 
we smelt some puff. That's disruption tactics. When they come in and start to stop and search everybody, the fact that they call it disruption tactics tells you that they're not there to catch the individuals that are carrying out the crimes that are a concern to our community. This is crazy policing. It's racist policing. It's all about racial profiling, and that's the problem for our community. They're not effective in getting the ones who are dangerous. If you look at the like social media feeds of like I think it's Harringay MPS right now and stuff, they've got like pictures of knives that they've picked up in stop and search. So if you know if they if they do find like one or two knives and that stops one or two people getting stabbed. Well, like, well they may have, but if they did, then they found they were fortunate to find them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many knives they show you. We got the body count there. That's the count that we watch look at. But if you go and you look at the statistics, you will see even last year that 76% of all stop and searches were for possession of cannabis but people are stabbing each other they weren't even targeting those who might carry knives and such they use stop and search as a disruption tactic that is unfair on the rest of the community and it doesn't help police community relations and the problem with them and the difficulty they have with being able to target people in our community is because we don't have good police community relations we've been saying this from the 70s if they wanted to police our community more effective they need to prioritize better engagement and involvement of the rest of the community They don't understand community and they don't understand us. Masquerading as a music video, social media clips showing scenes like this are being blamed for the recent spike in violence across the capital. Yeah, I watched your interview on Newsnight. Sarah Linden. Sophie Linden. Sophie Linden. Yeah. You see the name, name of bureaucrats, aren't they? Who make decisions that impact our community. I saw you on that and uh, and she mentioned some uh, sort of more community policing style initiatives and you sort of didn't seem that impressed and i'm wondering if you could go into that and why what she was saying was what she was saying was that they'd put 1.4 million pounds they'd invested in community initiatives Mm -hmm. what she didn't say was they'd put 14 million in policing so -hmm. the balance wasn't right Mm -hmm. and and that what she was talking about was investing in small community projects it's actually something that I believe in as a community worker but what we're talking about is structural Mm. So those changes, giving funds to small community groups doesn't change what is structural. What's happening in London is happening in Nottingham, is happening in Manchester, is happening in Liverpool, is happening in Birmingham, and is happening in Bristol. So it's structural. You can't pro- provide some small-scale work on a project in London and think it's going to help in those areas. And also, we now have to understand that these kids have got themselves into such a mess, such a lifestyle, that you can't, I can't now go to the guys, boys in Wood Green and say, all right, put down your knives, put down your weapons, stop it. Here's some money, let's all start work tomorrow. Be here nine o'clock, we're going to work nine to five every Monday to Friday, and I'm going to pay you really good money. Even if they say yes, there's going to come a point where they're going to recognize that if they do it, they become a target for those that they've been at war with who have not put down their weapons. So if we're, if we're going to talk about project work, it's got to be project work that encourages and enables everybody to put down their weapons almost simultaneously. That requires some significant work. It requires, it requires communities being involved. The state, the good thing is called the pyramid of risk. So mm-hmm. if you just imagine a triangle, 
at the top of the pyramid, and this is a tool that was provided by criminologists, Professor Holston and Tara Young, to the Metropolitan Police Forces. What Trident uses is what the whole system uses to look at this whole notion of gangs risk. If you imagine at the top is the organized crime gangs. In the middle, it says street gangs. And at the bottom, it says peer groups. Mm-hmm. Now, what those people in the state call peer groups, we call community. Yeah. So they're actually treating our communities like suspect communities. That's why they won't engage with me. Because they think that I'm ultimately connected to and part of the gangs. Because so- I come from the communities that they say the gangs are in. So the police don't talk to you? They will talk to me when they have to talk to me. <laughs> but they do not involve me in these kind of discussions because they know I'm going to say, whoa, you can't do that. That is wrong. Mm-hmm. That may be, because you know when we got them to accept the definition of institutional racism, we had to put in a part that said that may be unwitting. So we would have to say to them, that may be unwitting institutional racism. But the reality is, it has happened for so long, it's carried on for so long, it's got even worse that we should be taking out that term unwitting out of it. It's racism, pure and simple. It's racial profiling. And it's a racist pandemic right across the system. Systemic. And the information commissioner, I bet you, within weeks, is going to release a report because they're carrying out an investigation and they cannot but find them guilty, the government guilty, of breaching its own Data Protection Act. And the reason the act was brought in was to stop individuals from being stigmatised across the whole entire system in the way that these kids have. Because when they get stigmatised like that, all services get withdrawn. If you go into the housing estates where they say that these gangs are, Northumberland Park and Broadwater Farm, they are run-down shitholes, mm. right? To use a, f- a famous Trump word. Yeah. <laughs> they're run-down shitholes. And that's because they're withdrawn all services. If a, if a mother or, a p- or parents of one of these kids thinks, oh, my kid's getting too involved with the wrong kids here, I want to move out. You go to the county, you say, I want to move out. They say, nope, your, gang's, your kid's in a gang. He's got to do a gang exit program. If the kid doesn't consider himself to be in a gang, why would he do a gang exit program? So that family then chopped on the estate. The parents now appeared at the kid. Because of you, we can't get out of here. So the kid doesn't want to stay in there with the parents who are down on him. Again, pushing him into the hands of the very people the state says it doesn't want to be together and doesn't want to join with and doesn't want to become a gang. Some people say that what the state is doing is creating self-fulfilling prophecy. But people who really know and have seen the things I've seen would say that it's absolutely a setup. Our kids are bearing the brunt of the state's racism, institutional racism, and also paying the cost for austerity. And I don't see why kids like this, who clearly had nothing to do with running the country into the red, should be paying, and ultimately paying with their lives. Massive thanks to Stafford Scott. Check him out on Twitter at Stafford Scott underscore. If you've been stopped or searched or both, I'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at SimonCharles13 on Twitter if you want to have a chat. And also, let us know you're listening. Give us a review on iTunes, please. Five stars, Ronald. The British Dream was produced by Sam Bonham at Rethink Audio. We'll be back in a fortnight. Stay positive. Keep the dream alive.